It's Thursday, which means, of course, that it's time for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast that features nothing but objective and completely hyperbole-free. See, Anthony celebrating the fact that this is hyperbole-free. Uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Podcast, that's what we are, <laughs> that discusses every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he's a clever girl, it's Anthony James. Anthony, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'm doing very, very well. It's 2021. All my problems are solved. It is. We're gonna party. It does, that song doesn't make sense <laughs> for this, actually. And also, okay, so we're just going to take a little segue out of the film discussion for a moment here listeners so bear with us we were never um, in it <laughs> did no we didn't no, we never got there sorry yeah, well you know podcast, you'll enjoy this segue yeah. just yeah, trust yeah. me on this one did, when um when you listen to those kind of to, to songs like that like we're gonna party like it's 1999 does your mind immediately go to the will smith uh covers of them no i did did he cover that well, he—I mean, he—he he took a sample of Rock the Casbah and I think mixed it with some Rick James stuff to make Willennium, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is where my mind immediately goes when I listen to that song. No, to be honest with you, when I, when, but now you've put in my head. Get a little now, you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Will Smith podcast. We've changed the theme. Um, you of happiness, great film. <clears throat> There's a couple in there. Maybe that maybe they're going to turn up in this movie diary, which is what this week is, where we talk about everything we've seen since the last time we did one of these. So it's going to be less than the the several thousand that we talked about last week. If you didn't listen last week, you missed out because we discussed literally every film we've ever seen. Um, All all ten of them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're not actually that into movies, unfortunately. We're charlatans. Yeah. So before we get into that, I'm just going to briefly mention that in next week's show. Uh, we are not going to do it, be doing a movie diary. We're going to be doing another themed episode. It's going to be hopefully quite lighthearted, given some of the news around this topic. It might be about an insurrection. Who can say? <laughs> <laughs> there might be a military dictatorship in place by the time well, this we'll episode. Find, I think we'll find by the time this episode comes out on Thursday. On Thursday, they're supposed to be sorting it out on Wednesday. So maybe that's when we'll know. Yeah. Well, no, maybe we'll maybe we'll not do it. Maybe it'll feel in poor taste. But yeah. as it stands, next week's episode is going to be a themed episode on movie presidents. And you're not going to want to miss that one. It's either going to be a lighthearted jape or it's going to be a welcome distraction from the nightmare world that America has become. Let's yeah, find and out. Obviously, if you're not up to speed on American politics, the reason why we're going to be doing that is because Joe Biden will hopefully be being inaugurated as the president on the 21st, I think, of this month, which is between next week's podcast and the next so that's why we're going to be yeah. doing it the american presidential no- uh, inauguration exactly yeah so that'll be a lot of fun um aside from that please subscribe to us on youtube on podcasting apps give us a like join in the the, uh, the conversation down in the comments below let us know what you've been watching this week and what you think of the movies that we're going to talk about in a second and share the show with your friends the word of mouth really does really does uh, does us good um but without further ado i say it's time to talk about some movies what do you think uh, I would agree. Anthony, how many movies have you watched this week? Movies that I decided to sit down and watch, I watched three. Um, if you want to talk about all the films I watched with my children, that's probably up in the 20s. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't ca- uh, count family time okay. on this don't, podcast. Don't count family time. Okay. No, children aren't allowed to enjoy movies. That's true. Uh, so yeah. three movies I have this week. 
Okay, well, so I had a, <clears throat> I had a, a, a busy week in terms of movie watching. So unfortunately, listener, if you hate me, which let's be fair, isn't it's it's reasonably possible that that's the case. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of me in this episode. Well, so. well, Conrad, I, I, based on the the responses from us changing to the culture cave and you coming on board, it seems like they hated me. <laughs> they're they're, okay, they're nice. so pleased that you, that you are now a big voice in the well, channel. Well, if, if you're part of, you know, the, the Comrade Conrad uh, <laughs> group and uh, Conrad, are, are supporting this insurrection. Oh, my God. Um, so, uh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think I would mention the word insurrection twice in the first 15 minutes of this podcast, but here we are. Yeah, exactly. But I will also say that that was all in jest. I'm very happy to have Conrad here. I'm in no way jealous that there are so many women in America who want to go out with him. <laughs> we Listen, never I, actually I, mentioned I actually... that before. Did you, did, you, did you pick up on that comment that was put there? No, I didn't, but that's very flattering. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a comment particularly mentioning all the American women with the hots for Conrad. (laughs) Well, I I went to America when I was um, 11. Um, I went to Florida. You were batting away. Uh, And uh, a lady in a bar in the hotel that I was staying at in Florida told me that I should come back when I was older because all the girls would like my accent. Um, I still haven't done that. But uh, who knows? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love my partner very much. Yeah. Uh, but that's very flattering. Thank you. This is now me like, got to get out of this. <laughs> How do I do it? I watched nine movies. And that's what we're here to talk about. Nine um, movies. That's three times. That's my yeah, movies. One of them squared. was almost. Yeah, it, it is. And one of my movies was almost four hours long as well, which we'll, we'll get to in time. But I think in the interest of giving the, giving the listeners a break from me talking, I, I reckon we start with you. So what do you say? Oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. We can start with me. Get one of my three out of the way. Yeah. Um, I hopefully I've seen a fit, seen some of your ones, but I, I'm sure I have. But uh, all right. So let's start talking about movies. Uh, we were probably about ten minutes into this now. Let's start. Okay. So <laughs> first one I watched. Um, I'm going to start with a really interesting one. Actually, um, you put me in the mood last week talking about extraction. You put me in the mood for a bit of a bit of action. Okay. Uh, so I watched a film that I've been meaning to watch for a while. Uh, is Luc Besson's Lucy. Oh, nice. I've never seen this. Yeah, so, um, you know, it wasn't the most critically acclaimed uh, of uh, Luc Besson's films. Uh, It also wasn't the most stylistic of Luc Besson's films, because, you know, in the past, he he has a very particular style. Um, I'm thinking of Fifth Element mostly, where even Fifth Element was very interesting, because I think um, they they had uh, Gautier was the actual... um, costume designer for that so gave it a real str- whereas lucy to be honest with you before even doing a bit of research about the film before watching it i didn't i didn't even realize luke besson directed it um but i've always sort of intended it we talked a little bit about scarlett johansson last week and sort of the her her choosing to sort of take her career by the scruff of the neck and i didn't view this film as that but i do now because it's luke besson and let me tell you it gets weird so basically yeah. the um the setup for the film is that trope of science fiction films, which is absolute bollocks, but we'll go with it. Humans only use 10% of their brains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what happens if we unlock the rest? Right. <laughs> yeah. Which that's is interesting, because I think this did come out around the same time as Limitless with Bradley Cooper. So it's, it's, yeah, that's it's act- the same. That's, that's drugs, though, isn't it? He takes a drug, and it, like, unlocks his brain. Yeah, well, that's the same as this. So oh, okay. basically, um, it's set up in... Uh, well, they didn't mean like, she didn't mean to take him. That's the thing. The set the setup for this film is is that she's tricked by a boyfriend uh, to go in and deliver drugs to a big kingpin. Now, the boyfriend didn't know this. I'm pretty sure, but basically, they they took her hostage, put some drugs in her um, 
surgically and then okay. and then through happenstance the drugs went into her system and they caused her to start accessing parts of her brain she couldn't before now obviously okay. we all know just to explain i don't know if you're ever listening here why that uh trope in science fiction films of 10 percent of your brain is bollocks the reason why it's bollocks is because i'm also saying bollocks a lot because i know we have listeners from all over the world and i think they'll enjoy the word bollocks but the reason why bollocks. it's yeah, bollocks to say yeah. the reason the re- <laughs> vinnie jones <laughs> bollocks uh the reason why it's bollocks is because we do use 100 percent of our brain we just use 10% of it as a t- at a time. And a mutual yeah. friend of uh, Conrad and mine uh, called Sam, he had a really good analogy for this. And he said, it's like your house. You don't use all the rooms in your house at the same time, okay? But it doesn't mean you don't use all the rooms in your house. You well, know? it depends on what kind of like Bacchanalian existence you, 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 <laughs> you Well, live. let me just say this. If you were able to use the bathroom and the kitchen at the same time, it doesn't mean that you'll be able to fly. <laughs> Yes, that's true. That's, that's where the analogy falls down. Yeah. Um, I've I just had a look at this movie because I, I, I don't know this movie. The last Luke Besson movies, I or really the, the only Luke Besson movies I've ever seen are Leon and The Fifth Element, which mm. I, are both really good movies. But this has uh, Troy Min-sik in it, who is the protagonist from Old Boy, uh, the original Old Boy, yep. which is very cool. And then on the other end of the spectrum, and maybe th- maybe this is an unfair... Uh, this is a mischaracterization of this actor, but the only thing I've seen him in, I fucking hated him. Is uh, Pilu Asbak, who Game is of Thrones. Um, from Game of Thrones, who is like like shitty Jack Sparrow as yeah, um, yeah, yeah. as one. Of, I, You're on Greyjoy. You're on Greyjoy. He plays you. Yeah. You're on Greyjoy, and I want to fuck the queen. That guy. Yeah, um, it's just oh, he's the it, worst. But that, that's yeah. that's two interesting uh, two interesting casting decisions. Well, that ca- and also this is back in 2014, so this role might have actually been what got him into Game of Thrones. But basically. Mm. Uh, unless unless he's big in something else that we're not sure was he in vikings or something maybe but uh i haven't seen him in vikings yet i'm only up to season three though so oh he could he could turn up so uh basically um i would say that he's just let you know as well he's the boyfriend from the start so he doesn't play he doesn't play a huge role if i'm completely honest with you in the show um but but no it's uh it's to be honest with you it's a really interesting film uh obviously the casting is interesting as well i will say that uh choi min sik is amazing in it uh and i mm. this is the thing about luke Besson, which is slightly like when i first saw this film in netflix and put it on my list i thought it was like you got me in the mood for like a just an action film uh yeah. to be honest with you i didn't even know it was about un- like unlocking your brain i didn't even know it was about that but basically when i started watching it the fact that choi min sik was in it i've seen old boy i absolutely love that that long take from the side of him beating up everyone in the corridor cross-section of the corridor with a hammer is very cool you know he almost matches up to josh brolin's performance but uh almost we can't can't even joke about that (laughs) we'll get hate mail yeah was that spike lee uh, I think it might have been Spike Lee. Yeah, I, I to be <laughs> honest, I'm judging that movie. I never watched it. I, it for me, it takes an awful lot to get me to watch a Western remake of a, of a of a, a non English language film because my uh, my gut reaction is just, actually there's one in this in in my list of films uh, this week. But my gut reaction whenever anyone does that is you fucking ruined this film, haven't you? I know you have. <laughs> Hang on, you're telling me you didn't watch Death Note. No, I did not watch Death Note. Yes, I also didn't watch Attack on Titan. Although those those were Japanese, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, the Death Note one had oh, Will Ferrell. Sorry, I was just talking about Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Death, <laughs> Death, Death Note is not Will Ferrell. Yeah. Death Note's Japanese, but um, I, I actually it's an it's an anime. So 
The, this is the end. No, but the film. I mean, oh, like the, the, the films as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Is that is it a Korean? That's Willem, of... Willem Dafoe is is in that. So yeah, Willem Dafoe is in, in in the in the Western make. Yeah. yeah. But uh. But yeah, like um. To be quite honest, here, just to give my thought on that Death Note remake. Uh, I actually didn't hate it, but it was like I don't know, like a five out of ten. But um. But the thing about it was, is that they changed it to be more American. Uh. So it's like whenever um Spielberg wanted to do Harry Potter, and they said to him. And he's like, I want to do it in an American high school. And they were like, fuck off, Stephen. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like that. But this time they said yes. So that's what it's like. Um, which I didn't hate. And then everyone was like complaining online saying, it's completely different. It's like, well, what? if it was the exact same, why on earth would you want to watch it? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, why I do you can... want to watch the same thing twice? I go back and forth on remake. I don't know how you feel about this, but like on, on one hand, if someone remakes something, so there was there's a there's a uh, Dario Argento who's like an Italian horror maker from the eighties Dario Argento movie called Suspiria, which is about uh, witches in a ballet school in mm. Germany, okay. and they remade that quite recently with uh, Dakota Johnson, who was in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, and it's all, it's very different. I mean, it's like kind of the broad strokes are the same but like it feels very different it's shot very differently and like the the, the kind of nuances of the script are very mm-hmm. different and that to me i was like oh that's a really cool remake because you've basically you, you've done something really different with this movie which i think is how you should do a remake but then but then on the other that's sort of a double-edged sword because when you get something like ghost in the shell where they're like we're gonna remake this but we're gonna cast you know scarlett johansson as the as the as the supposedly japanese protagonist it's like oh, okay you've made this different but, but she not was in a, an android she, she was an android yeah she was an android that's I, true. I will i will say i will say like that that one i to be honest with you is a stretch i think she should have been a japanese uh actress but but i will but i will say um where where i where i didn't agree with all the hullabaloo was in the dragon ball film which to be honest with you i never saw but everyone was oh, complaining really? about uh goku yeah. not Every, yeah, I didn't watch it, but everyone was complaining about Goku not being Japanese. It's like, uh, he's from Saya. <laughs> he's 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 he's, yeah, he's a Saiyan. Yeah, he's 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 not he's not a human. Like, why yeah. why does he he landed with like he had a tail? Like, why does he need to be Japanese? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the main problem with that movie was it was fucking garbage rather than <laughs> than, the, than the casting. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I was gonna I was just gonna finish off on Lucy. <laughs> we can move on. John. Bringing it back, bringing it back. I'm just bringing it back in. So basically, Lucy. Um, one of the reasons why I uh, I really fi- enjoyed it was because as she unlocks her brain, right? Um, there's there's it's sort of the whole thing is punctuated with the whole film is punctuated with shots of like wildlife and and nature because it's the okay. whole the whole idea is it's like it's like her, her connecting back into nature or whatever. And as she sort of goes when she's like only 20% of her brain, like obviously as I mentioned, it's all bollocks, but it's still good for the film. So yeah, 20% of her brain is unlocked. She starts like talking, like she can feel every kiss her parents have put on her face still. Okay. And she can remember things from like, she, she mentions like she can, she can remember the taste of her mother's milk in her mouth, you know, stuff like that, which okay. is really interesting. But then as they go, as they go on, um, as she goes up through, it keeps like showing up on the screen, like 20%. 30% and she changes okay. you know she changes as she goes and um and she I love the character that Scarlett Johansson turns into this in this at the start of the film she's like full of emotion full of character real bubbly I would say um uh even though she's gone through horrendous things you can see that she's a character with a lot of personality she's like living in Taiwan uh and uh okay. I think she's going to school there and then and then like sort of 
basically they're going to send her back to the drugs in her but as she goes through and she accesses more of her brain she starts to become emotionless cold calculating and just the performance from Scarlett Johansson is just amazing I felt but uh basically I'm not going to say anything more because it is it does go down certain paths which are really cool well okay really cool and really interesting uh but all I'll say is it gets existential. That's what I'll say. And that's something that I wasn't expecting when I first thought of watching this film. It gets yeah. existential. It, I think it doesn't... F- Apparently it took Luc Besson like 10 years to write this film. Um, it's an hour and a half long. Uh, and it felt like there needed to be more drafts of it, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah. it, it, it felt like he he had... like It's it's funny. I, watched, I, I, I read an interview of him about the film. And he said... I heard about the idea that humans only use 10% of their brain. And I thought, that's a really good concept for a film. And I'm like, Luke, have you ever seen a film before? Like, this is a concept <laughs> that has been used a hundred times. Like, you know. But anyway, yeah. so that, that, that's Lucy. I thought it was good. It's worth checking out. Is it the best film in the world? No. Is it interesting? And do they try They try cool things in it? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. Get, okay. you, Ooh, get you thinking. Get you thinking. Yeah. I mean, and you know, Luke, I think Luke Besson... Uh, uh, admittedly, I'm not. I'm not like an expert on his on his oeuvre um, <laughs> to <laughs> to butcher the language of his of his home country. Um, what does that mean? Does he... it mean owl? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but he, you know, Wazzle. he has a style. <laughs> this is now going to become a Sorry. podcast where we just say things in French that we don't actually understand. Uh, oh, I, I understand l'oiseau. Oh well, I I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Englishman. I don't acknowledge any other languages. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Lucy, that sounds cool. Um, yeah. Was it was that on Netflix that you watched that? I watched it on Netflix. So it's on Netflix in Netflix. the UK at the minute. Obviously, it varies throughout the world, but you know, yeah, you could Get always buy it. VPN. You could always buy you it. Buy it. <laughs> yeah, you could buy it. Um, talking about movies uh, that we bought, I'm only going to speak very briefly about this because we talked about it quite a lot in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I did get around to watching uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Um, ah, lovely broad thoughts i thought the plot was a bit convoluted uh, a bit a bit hard to follow ding, 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 ding. um but the set pieces were very good mm-hmm. uh the opening reminded me quite a lot of i don't know if you've ever seen this talking about good action movies well, it's more of a thriller really um but the michael mann uh, bank robber movie uh, heat um with, which is is that the one with pacino and de niro De Niro, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, never seen, I've they, never seen it, but I, I've, I've seen one scene of it where they're around a diner table or something. That's all I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like the scene, the first yeah. scene that De Niro and Pacino shared. I, th- I think oh, that might be apocryphal. They may have done one before that, mm-hmm. uh, but it reminded me of that just in the sort of pacing and the, and the um the, the 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 like the sound design of the the gunfire. But it's good. Yeah, Rob Pattinson is is always fun. Uh, the um mm-hmm. some of the action sequences are really good. Enjoyed that. I won't say any more on it because we talked about it a lot. But I think it was a good recommendation. It's not Nolan's best, but it's probably not his worst either. And it's uh, it's good fun. Good I, fun. Yeah, it, it, it asks questions that are fun, and they and and the set pieces, as you say, some of the set pieces are just great. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. glad you didn't hate it. That's all I say. Oh no, no. I mean, it, and and the plot, as I say, it is convoluted, but it's still fun. It's it's got some it's got some cool twists and turns in it. Would have been good um, to see in the cinema. That's what I thought. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Christopher Nolan, if he got his way, would have herded us back into cinemas <laughs> at gunpoint to to, <laughs> to get us to watch Tenet. You got to experience birthday. the cinema. Yeah, yeah. I, I shot it for IMAX, guys. Yeah. Um, which he did, to be fair. I just want to say before we move on, right? And I know me saying this is going to add time to the end, Conrad, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, I purposely 
didn't watch any Chris Nolan films this week, and I purposely thought to myself, <laughs> I'm not even going to mention it because we've talked about Chris Nolan twice already, right? Yep. And then I thought to myself, I'm not going to watch any Chris Nolan films, and I'm also not going to mention it at all because I, 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 you know, Conrad, I know he's sort of back and forth on Chris Nolan. I'm not going to make it like this. This Chris Nolan fanboy over here just keeps <laughs> yeah. mentioning it. So I was like, I'm not mentioning him, but well, you did you, it, Conrad. You, you did it. You'll be pleased to know that this week I'm going to mention, or I have now mentioned, uh, Christopher Nolan, and I will also be mentioning Adam Sandler in, in two films' time. So well, we've I, got our type. I'll tell, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I am going to now scour the Chris Nolan archives to find some film in which he portrays a president of some sort <laughs> for next week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, we can we can speculate about which of his characters become a president. I think uh, I think it's, it's reasonable to suggest that. Um, that Matthew McConaughey's character becomes president at some <laughs> at some point in Interstellar. That's true. That's true. I mean, he's so charismatic. Yeah. He'll go like the Ronald Reagan route. He'll, he'll go. Like, he'll get into politics late. Come on, Tars. Um, but anyway, right, okay. <laughs> Tars. Um, my next movie is. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this, but it was on Amazon Prime, and um, I'm reading a book at the moment uh, called. Well done. The yeah, no, <laughs> for me. My, I read about one book a decade at the moment, but um, it's called the best movie. Oh, I've got it on podcast my desk ever. Yeah, the uh, best movie year ever, I believe, and it's basically talking about all the stuff that came out in 1999. It's kind of a, it's a bit of a um, a, a tongue in cheek title. It's not mm-hmm. quite as as um, definitive as it makes it sound. Sounds like a YouTube video. Um, yeah, exactly. It's not quite. It's I think it's poking fun at those kind of things, but it's basically yeah. talking about like some of the some of the pretty seismic changes that happened in the movie industry in 1999. And that prompted me to watch uh, Steven Soderbergh's The Limey from 1999, obviously. Um, which Never heard is... So it's kind of it's kind of a revenge thriller. Basically, there's a like Terence Stamp plays a, a convict who gets out of prison um, to find his daughter has died while in a relationship with Joe Pete Fonda. Pete Fonda, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, so he he um, he he plays this kind of like sort of hippie turned drug baron in LA and Terrence Stamp is like this cockney gangster who finds out that his daughter who went to live in LA has died while in a relationship with this man and basically goes to get revenge and it's it's quite a simple setup for it it's basically this guy comes to LA and starts killing Peter Fonda's men and seeks revenge um it's it's okay. it's really fun it's shot in this kind of for 1999 it's a really interesting way of, of shooting it's sort of steven soderbergh's shaky camera like a, a lot of a lot of movement behind the camera which kind of became quite a quite a typical way to shoot things but mm-hmm. in, in 1999 it was quite original um and peter fonda's performance in it is amazing he plays it like this kind of this guy who he's probably in his 50s or 60s and he, he feels like he used to be a hippie but kind of completely sold out and became this still charming but he kind of sleazy drug well it's not implied it's drugs it's just like a general crime lord but his performance is really really good in it um and yeah it's it's a a really fun movie worth watching if you are in the mood for kind of revenge crime thriller um and yeah that was on amazon prime that sounds cool and the fact that peter fonda is in it makes me kind of want to watch it because to be honest with you i'm really intrigued by actors who were really big in sort of the 60s and 70s uh this era of hollywood um, like I would have loved to see, like I know he passed away, but I'd I'd love to see like John Wayne in like a '90s Scorsese film or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah. I love the idea of these fellows who were really big in that era of cinema still going. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 you know this was that was kind of like one of the things that book talks about actually is this this hallmark of indie cinema in the '90s, which is kind of when indie cinema really really hit the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was you would get maybe a couple of aging stars in your movie because they wouldn't cost as much money yeah. um and you'd almost kind of you'd get these aging stars from you know years gone by but you put them in this really like vital new feeling movie and it would lend it a sense of legitimacy but also basically re- reignite their careers so tarantino did it with uh, with reservoir dogs and, and and to a lesser extent pulp fiction as well with some of some of the actors in that obviously um uh, John Travolta being like the that yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a Pulp Fiction. He was a big deal by that point, so it wasn't really an indie film. But but he he basically restarted well, John yeah, Travolta's well, career. Quentin Tarantino loves doing that, doesn't he? He loves restarting yeah, the career. Yeah, absolutely. But and, and and Peter Fonda, I don't think his career had quite died in the same way that John Travolta. No, no, no. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But but it was still you know this was a this was a departure for him I think and, and he's fantastic in this movie is one of the best villain performances I've seen for quite some time that's it uh, because he's he's very believable and and very slimy at the same time yeah, yeah. it was um, it was more that he reminded me of my affinity for that like I love watching yeah. Jimmy Stewart in his later roles you oh know? yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. so cool uh, Jimmy Stewart I like it's really interesting with him actually as well because if I've got him right. Is it? I, I, I'm not. I'm. Hold on. I'm gonna have to look this up because I don't want to say this, but I'm pretty sure. I think it's in Bill's house and Ted's house. That was... <laughs> oh, you haven't I, seen I, that film. You haven't seen that no. film. No. I, I there's a there's a lot of Jimmy Stewart movies that I haven't seen. I've seen like Vertigo and stuff like that. Was he in? No, I'm thinking of someone else. Okay, ignore me. We're just gonna ignore that entire. Have last you seen the man who shot episode. Liberty Valance? Yes. Yes. Okay, so he's That's he's in that. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, that's, that's a, there's a lot of good Jimmy Stewart movies, um, and and yeah, he's a uh, he uh, shows up. Was the last movie that he did Fifel Goes West? Yes, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, yeah. In 1990 time, we're like Volusia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, a weird end what, to Jimmy what, Stewart. What, what a what a lot of last film that is. Like to be honest with you. It's a good movie. I like Fifel Goes West. Funny enough, I haven't actually, watched it in a long time. Funny enough, I actually watched The Rescuers the other day. With, with my son, but we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. No, you're not allowed to talk about fa- family movies or <laughs> movies watched with family because it robs them, robs the viewing experience of its logistics. You have to sit down and just stare at the screen, and if you if you blink more than a hundred times in the whole film, you're not doing it. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you've done it wrong. Um, but for, I mean, actually, to be honest, this next movie that I'm going to talk about, and the last mm-hmm. one before we go back to you, is one that probably would have improved. Uh, been improved by watching it with a small child because it would have distracted me from the experience uh, <laughs> which is uh, Robert, Smi- Robert Smigel or Robert Smeagol I'm not sure the pronunciation Smigel. but yeah it's his directorial debut it's 2018's The Week Of starring Adam Sandler and Chris Rock it was recommended to me as one of the better Happy Madison comedies of, 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 of recent times and I, I was like okay we've talked about Sandler a lot I'm going to give this a go and see how it feels. And to uh, Spiegel's credit, it does feel like there was slightly more effort put into the presentation of this than something yeah. like Jack or J- Jack and Jill or Grown Ups, which just feel like abject. There's 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 no ambition to those. They're just designed to be farted out and to try and make some money, um, and and are abhorrent pieces of trash as a result. There there is some ambition to this, but the script is messy the characterization mm. is bad it overstays its welcome it's like two two and a bit hours long which is way too long for an adam yeah. sandler comedy um it did get a few laughs out of me it did you know probably two or three it's not the worst movie in the world but yeah it was it was a hard watch yeah i've seen this as well i watched it um i, I will say that uh the the, the differences and sort of what robert smigel's going for I think do make it more watchable 
than something yeah. uh, like Jack and Jill or something. You know, Jack and Jill is quite old now. This is this is Adam Sandler in his Netflix iteration, where yeah, he yeah, like some sometimes pops out gems like Hubie Halloween. <laughs> so... Is that the one where he plays Dracula and it's about his no daughter? no 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 Hubie Halloween is like a. I haven't given my thoughts on this at all publicly, but Hubie <laughs> Halloween was a... I was going to make a video in December called Is It Too Late to Talk About Hubie Halloween? But uh, basically, um, Hubie Halloween is uh, the latest in the Adam Sandler com- uh, comedies on uh, on Netflix where he plays okay. a sort of... Uh, how do I put this? Bobby Boucher-esque, um, you know, like from The Waterboy. Uh, yeah. Man-child, where okay. he takes it upon himself to protect everyone on Halloween while they're all trick-or-treating and stuff. And then, okay. obviously, things go down. Um, I personally, my wife and I, maybe it's that we have kids and we're just a little bit sillier now. Uh, and I do have an affinity for Adam Sandler, as we said before. Hubie Halloween, next Halloween, uh, you love Halloween, uh, Conrad. So next, yep. Hall- next Halloween, watch Hubie Halloween. You'll find it all one right. of the stupidest films you've ever watched in your life. But in my, in my mind, I was like, is it stupider than Hocus Pocus? It's not the same quality as Hocus Pocus, but it's definitely not stupider than it. So I, I, I liked it. But basically, right. anyway, the week of, I would say about this, I kind of feel like this, like Adam Sandler, he 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 pulled the he, he popped the cork too early on his old Jewish man. So I, I think, like, <laughs> we all knew that's where he's going to end up. He's going to end up yeah. playing like the old Jewish dad, right? He yeah. popped the cork on that too early. He, he should have waited another ten years. You know, and and did and did it then. He's he's a bit too yeah. young to be play, to to be playing the character in the way he is. Having said that, if you're from the Jewish community and you think he's spot on, I will track that and I and I will I will concede to your all knowing power. But to <laughs> me, it felt I could just tell with Adam Sandler, he's putting a character on. You know, did you um did you he's ever being see his dad or whatever? <clears throat> well, it's interesting you mentioned that actually because um did you ever see this on? I think it's still on Netflix. The Myra Myrowitz stories. Um, I didn't watch it. So <clears throat> I think you would quite like that. It's got Adam Sandler in it as well. Uh, funnily enough, it's also Ben Stiller and Dustin Hoffman. It's basically their, like Dustin Hoffman is their dad, the patriarch of this this Jewish family, and oh, he gets it's sick. A, it's, is that um, a, is that about? No, I don't think it's. I'm thinking about the one with his agent. Uh, yeah, but I've, I've I've seen the trailer for this thing. Yeah, but but I mean that's like Dustin Hoffman plays the kind of character that I feel like Adam Sandler's trying to go for in some of these films, okay. but he's not he's not the scripts aren't good enough to cover for his limitations as an actor and you know we said it before Sandler can be good in the right roles but he does need a script that works with him and I think every role he's ever hit out the park has been written for him yeah yeah and I, and I think he's trying to do this kind of cantankerous old sort of jewish patriarch thing or you know not really a patriarch because he's very he's not in in the week of he's not really in control of his family mm-hmm. but but he is the the, the 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 tries to be the man of the house and i don't think he i don't think the script is 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 there for him to for him to like achieve the same kind of role but the, the myra Ritz stories uh well worth checking out if you want to see a good version of the week of not really the same plot but it has some of the same kind of um same elements to it i guess okay. you would say very interesting um right anthony what do you got next for us well i've got a film that i've been meaning to watch for a while but i okay. was a bit to be honest with you i was a bit burned out on this type of film I'm someone who is well connected into news uh, and someone who tries to view things from outside a certain bubble. Obviously, we're not in this day and age. We can never be fully successful at that because we only uh, read and fe- uh, fed the stuff we are. But I, but I try to to be uh, open minded in every respect. So the film The Circle, which is Emma Watson and Tom Hanks, uh, which mm. is, which is about Emma Watson getting a job 
at an Apple-like tech company that is run okay. by the charismatic uh, entrepreneur uh, leader of the company, who's Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks' character is called Bailey. Yeah. Uh, okay. And Emma Watson is called May. But so I put it off and put it off. But I, I like to watch anything with Tom Hanks in it of Monosphere. I eventually want to say that I've seen every Tom Hanks film. Um, but um, I will say about this that it didn't live up to my expectations. Basically, May gets a job at a at an Apple-like company. She then gets sucked into it, um, and she sort of buys into it. Their cult-like nature, talking about how they're mm-hmm. going to make you know these. It's portrayed now. I've never actually obviously been in a San Francisco. Uh, area tech company like I don't, I don't live there have been to san francisco it's a lovely place but I, but i but i've never been to the uh to a tech company there and stuff so i can only take what media tells me uh and i know my, my brother works in a big tech company here in northern ireland and they're kind of trying to do the same thing but the idea of it is like it's like we're a family and you know and like we we work wherever we want and it's all about like um that sort of idea, sort of cult-like, and this this really yeah, just you're indoctrinated into into their way of thinking. Exactly, yeah, and that, that's they, they they're sort of doing that in this film. Um, and the reason why I was putting it off and putting it off is because, like, I generally know the effect that social media has on people. Like, I, I I'm not someone who, when you say to me, you know, you know that they feed political ideas to you through your Facebook feed, I'm like. Yeah, I know that. I don't need to... Like, there was a documentary, I thought The Social Something, um, came out a few months ago, and, like, my brother and other people were coming up to me and going, oh, my God, you need to watch this. They target ads at you, which which statistically proves that you vote that way. I'm like, this isn't news. Like, this 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 has been happening for years. Um, and I just feel like that, that way about this sort of thing is that I understand that maybe the general population who aren't as key like everyone has their own interests you know what i mean like there's, and there's no snob snobbery in terms of your own interest but my interest one of my interests is to keep up to date with politics to keep up to date with news and i sort of i understand that uh social media companies aren't really all good <laughs> you know and i understand that they're sort of pushing an agenda to to get your money and to get adverts and like it's it's almost at the point where you can <laughs> click a button and it's provable that it makes people uh, think a certain think a certain way a certain way so yeah I wasn't that impressed with it to be honest with you. I thought that, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think about? It? Have you seen it? No, I've not seen this. But, but I mean, it sounds a bit disappointing. Does it? Ha- so I think with with stuff like this, where it's kind of presenting like a, a near future or a, or a contemporary dystopia based on it's it's, it's, it's present it's present day it's present day yeah. Um, but but this this idea I I mean kind of like near future in terms of it's maybe not technology that quite exists right now but probably will exist in the next five years or maybe it does for this film but for the, but for these, the most part it does exist yeah yeah but but, but I mean these kinds of movie, movies about this this the impacts that technology is having on our day to day lives I find a lot of them and it sounds like maybe this one is the same it it comes up with the concept so in this case oh you know we're being fed these ideas through social media which change the way we think it's also yeah, it's it also have anything else to say yeah it doesn't yes exactly it's all about being transparent in the film so like yeah. uh emma watson's character may she gets to the point where she's actually not really that connected on social media and stuff she lives out in the country and then when she gets in there they all think she's a weirdo because she's not and then she eventually fully buys into the to the to the uh to the company and then she's the first ever employee of the company to go transparent uh, meaning that there's a camera on her all the time 
and and she's it's almost like it's almost like a uh she's she's actively participating in the truman show that's what it's like okay. so every every everyone is talking to her all the time in the chat she has to when she wakes up in the morning she at a particular time she has to put it on if she has to go to the toilet during the day she only has three minutes to do it then the camera comes back on again um and that's that's not the whole film's premise but that is a big chunk of the film like a, a lot of the film is taken up in the middle of her dealing with the fact that this is the fact this is the case i will say i sorry I was just going to say, do they, like, so with the with the, the the camera on her at all times, is that um, conveyed in like the presentation? Like, is there a stretch in the middle where it's shot primarily from the body cam, or is it just kind of like a one and done? This is what she has. And no, no, really they they go, they keep going back to it. It's not shot primarily from it, but they do keep going back to it, okay. and they do a lot of shot of the body of from the body cam with like this like the the markings of the camera on the the screen as if to make it look like found footage. <laughs> yeah, um, and then like have like the. They also do the thing which I don't hate all the time, but it's a bit, it's very overdone in that whenever people are like looking at social media, all the comments start popping up around their head. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, okay, we get it. We get that was done, <laughs> what, like it's in the social media, like yeah, the social yeah, network? Yeah, that, that, that like trope is, is the modern day's version of, ah, oh, shit, this character's reading a letter. How do we get, how do we communicate this information to the audience? And, and you know, the, like you, in, in like the, the 60s, or no, it wouldn't be the 60s, but like the, the 40s the, and 30s. Voiceover. Like, yeah, you do voiceover to get that information across. And now it's like, shit, we need to convey social media stuff is happening. So we do a lot of bloop, 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 and all these people being like, hashtag, this person's a dick or whatever in the corner. Um, that's disappointing, though. That sounds like an interesting idea, uh, perhaps not particularly well realized. Yeah, and I will say, like, Emma Watson, I, I think she's, I think she is good. I, 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 I don't mind Emma Watson as an act- actor. Uh, I think that definitely throughout the Harry Potter film, she eventually grew into a decent actor. Um, mm. But I will say about her, when people of our generations, obviously you sort of avoided Harry Potter because you didn't get the role of Harry Potter. So you yep, just, you, I'm very bitter about it. Yeah, uh, but um, but basically when when people of my generation who grew up with Harry Potter um, grew up with Emma Watson, basically, I can't, I'm going to need to see a fair few more films with her doing an American accent before I buy into it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I, it's 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 weird because I know her I know her voice too well because I grew up with it. Yeah, right? but she, she's um she was good in Little Women. Did you say you seen? I, oh, Little Women was great. I I and yeah. Little Women was so well made. Greta Gerwig was um is amazing. I really like Greta yeah. Gerwig, and Greta uh, great, yeah. um Sisha one of my favorite young actresses at the minute. Um, yeah. I I will say that I didn't question her at once because of the quality of that film. The Circle, yeah. however. I was questioning it. So actually, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's actually not a reflection of Emma Watson. It's a reflection of the film. I will say, yeah. though, before we move off uh, the circle, because uh, we've said a fair bit about it already. I don't know if I have too much more to say about it without getting into spoiler territory, and we'll try and avoid doing that. Um, Bill Paxton. This is his last oh. This is his last film. That, ma- that makes me about 90% more likely to watch this movie than knowing Bill Paxton's in it. Bill Paxton. This is his last ever film before he passed away. Oh, um, yeah. So Bill Paxton, and it, was, it was the first film that him and Tom Hanks did together uh since apollo 13 so yeah. um basically bill paxton uh I'm, I'm i'm a bit sad that this was his last role to be honest with you because he actually plays uh emma watson's father um and and he is sort of a man with chronic illness uh oh, okay and it's very sort of like his the father could pass away at any moment because of his chronic illness and to be honest with you knowing that bill paxton died and this was his last film i didn't really like 
like like fate why fate did you make this his last film yeah because yeah. it's it's almost like it was all it, like you watched the whole time looking at this i don't now i don't actually know how he died so maybe he wasn't ill maybe it was a sudden accident i don't know how he died so but i don't think he was i think it i think he was um i think he was ill i can't remember exactly yeah. so yeah. so uh so it, to be honest with you knowing an actor's is his last role knowing he's passed away i didn't re- i didn't re- he did a great job but he was very sympathetic in the role but i didn't i didn't like watching it if i'm honest with you yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure like and I, it is it's a shame when an actor's final role is in an underwhelming movie uh which it sounds like maybe maybe this is a little bit but yeah and and also john boyega's in it too which is yeah i just saw that that's interesting yeah john boyega uh plays sort of one of the revolutionaries of the company sort of thing i'll not say any more about it than that um okay but also uh the actress who plays may's mum uh i believe it's glenn headley uh she actually passed away as well the same year so both of the parents of emma watson's character are both passed away in real life now okay that's that's very 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 grim yeah. <laughs> but like for it to happen that same year as well but yeah. uh yeah well okay so that's yeah the, the again the on netflix on netflix in, yeah uh, in the uk cool okay well um my next one we mentioned briefly last week so again i'm not gonna spend too long on this but uh this is 2012's dread which came to netflix in the uk on the 1st of january hopefully it's available in other places because uh this was a complete financial failure didn't make its budget back let alone, um, you know, additional costs for, for marketing and all that jazz. Um, and I don't know why. It's a brilliant, brilliant movie. It's directed by uh, an English guy called Pete Travis, who, uh, to, to make a callback to a different podcast, which is only going to reward the listeners who have uh, listened to both, he started off by directing two episodes of The Bill in 1997, <laughs> which, which, for those of you who don't know, was a really, really bollocks police procedural in the uk uh but i absolutely loved finding that out this is only his second um feature after um 2009's end game which i never actually saw uh, i think it was a young adult kind of thing um but afterwards he went back to tv i think for the most part because it's such failure but it's it's carl urban as judge dread who goes into uh, takes a, a young psychic judge uh, played by uh, olivia thelby who the only thing i've seen her in is juno uh, she has been in other stuff um Juno's but great. she's like Juno's she's, a great film you know it's a great movie yeah um but yeah olivia olivia thelby plays anderson who's this like young psychic judge who is sort of borderline or like kind of failing the judge examination and they say go with judge dread uh you know, spend a day with him see if you pass muster and get in and unfortunately they they go to what seems like a standard uh double a standard triple homicide which tells you something about the sort of crime rate in the city <laughs> yeah. in mega city one um and it turns out to be linked to this massive drug racket for this new drug on the market called slow-mo which is basically this like you take this inhaler and it slows everything down around you um and that plays into one of the central kind of presentational themes of the movie, which is that it was made for, perhaps unwisely, made for 3D. Uh, but it's one of the few examples of 3D that I actually think looks pretty good. And and the slow motion, so they basically like re- they, they get like this really like high resolution kind of glistening um, uh, slow mo shots that actually look really impressive, particularly when there's action going on in the background. Uh, and that's kind of related directly to the taking of this drug. But yeah, things go badly for them. And they have to fight their way to the top to get out. And it is a great action movie. Well worth checking out. <clears throat> right. I'm going to be pedantic. Go on. This, uh, this slow-mo drug. Yep. So is it called slow-mo, but it actually does the opposite? It speeds you up? Or does it actually actually slow everything down around you? 
Oh no! Like it just—it it basically it's like being in the zone when you're an athlete. Like it slows that. Like like so your reactions, I guess, are so, sped yeah. up because so you're speeds. perceiving everything yeah. at. So uh, so it's, it makes you feel like you're moving slow motion. Or yeah. Slow, everyone else is moving slow motion, but actually, yeah. it's doing the opposite. So it's actually like a fast thing. It's, it's yes. fast. Yeah, it should I guess be called, so. It should be called fast far, fast forward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fast foe, fast foe. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it should really be that, but. I don't think that would have been. It wouldn't be as fun to watch a action sequence in essentially fast forward than watching it in uh, in super slow mo. That's true. But, um, um, yeah. The the um the cinematographer on this film is this veteran cinematographer called I think his name's I've got it here Anthony Dodd Mantle, uh, who did stuff like Last King of Scotland, 127 Hours, Slumdog Millionaire, did Rush after this. So he's worked with a lot of directors, um, and he really gets to flex his muscles in those slow mo scenes and in and in others as well. It's mm very it's very grim where they're shooting but they get some really beautiful photography out of it um and there's this there's this couple of kind of like proto john wick moments where they like these tactical over the shoulder follow shots as they're clearing out corridors and stuff that are very very fun to watch yeah and i've just seen here as well that um it's sort of it's a marriage of uh two stars of really big fantasy series because carl urban's in it but also lena Headey's in it as well yeah, Lena Headey plays the bad guy. He plays Mama. I, I wonder. I wonder if there's many films that have crossovers between Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings like this. Oh, uh, that would be. We should do a themed episode on that. Yeah. I wonder if there is. They're Orlando prob- Bloom must have. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there is as well with like things like Ian McKellen and Christopher yeah. Lee and stuff. Yeah. And but like actors like Ian McShane completely balls it up because he was in one episode of Game of Thrones and he's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That'll be that's our Kevin Bacon, Ian McShane. Well, we can all, he's been in everything. We can come back to him. Um, um, yeah, but Carl Urban, I really like Carl Urban, and to be honest oh, with you, yeah. he sort of to me, from for my own you know perspective, was fell off the face of the earth for a while. Um, and yeah. he's come yeah, back because well, he was making stuff like this, where you know yeah. he was in the in, in in Hollywood, he was making financial failures. I think he actually might have gone back to is he Australian or from New Zealand? I can't remember. I think he's Australian. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I think he went back to Australia for a bit to make some movies there. Oh no, he's from New Zealand. Sorry. There's a few of the, uh, there's, there is a few of the Lord of the Rings cast that are Australian. Uh, when you, when you think mo- a lot of them are from New Zealand. Uh, yeah. And he's one of the ones I always thought was Australian, but he's not. He's New Zealand. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he, but he is great. I mean, he. Oh, sorry. He's a Cockney. Have we seen the boys? <laughs> oh my god, his Cockney accent. It's just like just be Australian or be. You know, his be Cockney accent in the boys really adds to my theory that the boys is just Pirates of the Caribbean because he's it's it's akin to Jack Sparrow's accent in that. You know. Yeah. It's 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 like just make the character from New Zealand. Like it's so inconsistent that accent. Um, but it, actually, talking about the boys, it's great to see Urban in that because he deserves better Something. than what he got for like the peak of his career which is kind of movies like this um yeah, he's, he's, he's now through the boys now for the rest of his career he's, he's broken into the upper echelon now yeah you know like he's, I mean? he's he's set up and hopefully we'll get some roles out of it but and i mean and it's funny actually with stuff like this because it's not very taxing olivia thelby is really the 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 heart of this movie and she gets the arc as the like rookie judge who uh, learns to use her psychic powers to uh, to you know, be a competent police officer or judge in this case, and um, you know basically proves herself to Judge Dredd, which gives that her being there is really smart in the screenplay because it just gives, it gives Carl Urban license to go off and shoot stuff and be cool as Judge Dredd. Um, so there's not a lot of like scripts for him to sink his teeth into. So it's really good that he got something like The Boys after this, yeah. where he, he gets a he gets a chance to show 
that he is a very very good actor in that um which maybe he doesn't get in this but still dread is a great movie if you're looking for you know sci-fi dystopian gritty action this is uh this is the the one to go for awesome yeah like um to be honest with you i was very close to clicking the play button on this one yeah. And then I was called to change a nappy or something. So I didn't quite get a chance to do it. But I am I am going to watch this at some point. This is one that, to be honest with you, and I'm sure you're pretty similar to me in this regard, Conrad. In that era of cinema, whenever something was advertised as 3D, I didn't go anywhere near it. Oh, yeah. I think I, the like, only this was film, one of the few I watched. The only film I ever saw in 3D was Avatar. And Avatar's yeah. 3D was apparently meant to be the best 3D ever. And I was like, I just don't like this. So if Avatar wasn't good in my eyes, I'm not going to go see anything else. Yeah, I, I saw Avatar. I saw Dread. I saw a few others. I didn't like, I just uh, will say, I actually, we'll get into Avatar, I'm sure, another day, except, especially when we talk about the four sequels coming out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I actually really enjoyed Avatar. Uh, it's a real, yeah. it's a ripping yarn in my opinion. And uh, we'll talk about a lot more in the future, I'm sure. But uh, the 3D aspect of it, I'm not sold on 3D at all yeah i didn't feel it added that much to be honest um but yeah um talking about a movie which probably doesn't need to be in 3d i think you would actually really enjoy this movie i don't know if you've seen it yet um but it's it's getting a lot of buzz at the moment uh for the performances of its two leads uh, a lot of oscar buzz unsurprisingly and that is ma rainey's black bottom on uh on, on netflix um it's I, th- I think a lot of the discourse around this movie is uh, focusing on the fact that it was Chadwick Boseman's last performance before he died. Mm. Uh, and, and he does turn in, I, th- I think it's fair to say, a career best performance here. Uh, both he and Vi- uh, Viola Davis are fantastic as these uh, blues musicians who basically um, stop their tour uh, in the south- southern states of America, I think they're in Georgia, mm. uh, to go up north to Chicago to record uh, a record for for a, a white run uh, recording company and it's basically a chamber piece it's it's the the tensions that flare up during this one day of recording in this uh, Chicago recording studio okay. um and it's based on a play i can't remember the name of the playwright but it feel because it's based on a play and because it's a very simple premise it does feel slightly overwritten in spots like you can yeah. kind of feel the bits where the characters kind of step forward to the front of the stage to monologue and it's and it does sort of break the immersion a bit but uh bozeman and and viola davis's performances are f- are phenomenal in it um and it's it's a, it's a it's a good movie it tells a, it tells a really nice story i wouldn't say it's a it's a great movie but their performances uh, elevate it beyond what uh, what the director is doing with it and the director is a guy called george c wolf that's to be honest with you connor i don't know how this completely passed me by i've never heard of this before uh, i am going to watch it now um i love the idea of uh, chadwick boseman uh, I, I i've enjoyed chadwick boseman most things he's done in the past um i'm i'm sorry that i didn't watch more of his stuff while he was still alive having said that yeah. it's all there for me to watch now um viola davis is is, is, a, is a character actor who I have been very impressed by many times. Uh, so I'm thinking mostly towards like Doubt, where she got yeah. she won an Oscar for what like eight eight nine minutes of screen time. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, she she's fantastic. I've even I've even uh, partaken every now and then in a bit of uh, in a bit of lazy TV with her How to Get Away with Murder. But um, basically, uh, this this sounds great. And and I've, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I watched Soul last week, which is you yeah. know sort of. A modern take on this sort of world as well it obviously the pixar ways as well so I'm, I'm interested to watch more about that so i would it sounds really great and the idea of it being a play that actually sells it to me a little bit as well to be honest with you like i think the yeah. i think stuff that's made from a play and they kind of 
don't fully make it a you know they sort of keep a little bit of that style like i'm thinking of for example like death of a salesman that was uh similar yeah, yeah um, absolutely i think it makes some i think i think it, it sort of makes you realize it was a play but also it, it gives it a specific style so yeah I, absolutely you know. like it's not i don't think that style is bad it's just kind of if you, if you want something that's maybe a bit more dynamic to look at you're not mm. really going to get it from this because it's a yeah, lot of okay is a lot of it's in the character world but it, i think particularly as a musician yourself i think you would enjoy it because it's you know, viola davis plays this kind of like sultry blues singer who i believe is a real person i'm not i'm not that well versed on on kind of delta blues um mm-hmm. music but i believe ma rainey was a real a real person and and uh levy can't remember his surname but levy is, is chadwick boseman's character's name um is is the the, the trumpeter for her band um I, I, w- I will say this now. I will be very surprised if Chadwick Boseman doesn't win the best leading actor um, Oscar for this performance. Just, it's a great performance. Is he a leading and, actor in it, or would they maybe give uh, him the supporting? He Some, might get supporting. They fudge it's kind it a little bit sometimes. They might give him supporting just to make sure he gets it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it, it's kind of an ensemble performance. I mean, he is more of a lead than anyone else in the movie, but it is kind of ensemble, so he might get supporting. But I would be very, just because the stars are aligning for this, it's a good movie his performance is phenomenal in it and obviously it's posthumous as well so i'd be really surprised if you didn't win an oscar for this movie yeah and to be honest with you i know like with people who if you rip your heart out of your chest you might think posthumous uh you know uh i would say assisted oscars maybe are not the greatest thing having said that put your heart back in i i think it if if the performance is what you're saying, I think I think you would just you would want to pull the plug on that. To be honest, yeah, with you. yeah. I mean, like, why why wouldn't you want to honor a, mm-hmm. a great actor? And as, particularly for an actor who, and I say this as someone who's not the biggest fan of Black Panther, I thought that movie was good. I didn't think it was great. That movie was pretty disrespected um award season given the general consensus for that movie which is that everyone loved it and that they were kind of like oh we're not gonna you know nominate this for best picture and we're not gonna nominate like because we don't take superhero movies seriously um and this would be a great chance hopefully for the academy to recognize a very good actor who who uh, left us far too soon yeah um, and, and and if and if you're someone who does think no 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 you need to be really stringent with who gets an award just because someone died doesn't mean they should come to the front of the queue um, maybe not, but at the same time, it's just a gold statue. Like, and yeah. it's just, it doesn't mean anything. And for the people who it does mean something to, well, it would be great to honor this man's life, you know, honor his career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, so that's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Came to Netflix quite recently. Uh, so check that out. It, it is, it is a, a good movie elevated by two phenomenal, uh, central performances. Um, and my last one before we, before we go back to you, Anthony, um, this is taking a few steps backwards in time. Uh, I watched, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's the 39 steps from 1935, uh, which is a, it's a really cool spy movie. Basically it feels like a kind of, uh, proto almost like, like north by northwest i think uh, i don't know if you've seen that with um with cary grant it. no um as, as as like a guy gets wrapped up in a spy a, a spy mystery basically it's about a guy who takes in this woman when there is a shooting at a um at a comedy show that he's at and it turns out that she's embroiled in some spy mystery uh, mm-hmm. and she turns up dead in his apartment and he needs to run for his life because the police are after him um and he finds out there's some lord in scotland who's selling secrets and he needs to rumble the rumble the case of the uh the the, the, the like the spy in scotland 
while also avoiding the police. It's very satisfying. So does uh, Robert Denart and Madeleine Carroll. The, it has that kind of 1930s dialogue. It's just really charming, um, really snappy. There's like great chemistry between them. And actually, to be honest, for a movie from the 30s, I, I watch quite a lot of older movies. It, it doesn't have too many super problematic elements, which like, Hitchcock doesn't tend to. His stuff has aged quite well. But um it, it it's it's very easy to watch uh without having to put on your i'm watching a movie from almost 100 years ago glasses yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so so uh yeah well worth checking out if you're in the mood for a ripping spy yarn very interesting yeah um robert denart he's in the count of monte cristo yes um, yeah and goodbye mr chips as well which is a very yeah. very sad movie um, I actually, like, it's funny, like, looking at these films, who, which, as you say, rightly, nearly 100 years old. Um, it's funny, like, I want to watch more of them. And I've seen, I've seen you know, I've seen, a, you know, a, a good amount from uh, most eras of cinema. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's crazy. Like, everyone, every now and then someone will go, hey, have you seen this one? And it's just like, how many films were there? Like there's, it's like, it's, it's like, I can't commit to watching every film ever, but I'm also yeah. like, I really should watch every film ever. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean we'll get back to that later because there's one that I I basically have like a list of things that I should have seen. Yeah. And yeah. every every couple of weeks I'll be like, right, I just want to get one off this list, but it's impossible to do. You have to try and keep up with the new stuff. Yeah. And j- just watch things that appeal to you. You know, honestly, it's hard to go wrong with Hitchcock. I say that even as somebody who's not Hitchcock's biggest fan, but his stuff has stood the test of time, so it's always worth checking out. But there are only so many hours in the day, so. There, there's there's only so much you can do and you know if you're watching watching movies on netflix mm. or you know most streaming services the reality is you're not going to get much exposure to this i think this was on this is what pretty much the only reason i say subscribe to amazon prime is because they have a lot of older movies which yeah, yeah. I, I i tend to quite like but they have a lot of the, a lot of the older lesser known westerns too which i like to watch um yeah mm-hmm. yeah they do um i think they've got they might have the Dollars Trilogy on Amazon Prime at the moment, which is well worth checking out if you want a spaghetti western. They've got like John Ford stuff as well, which I always really like, uh, like uh, Stagecoach and things like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I won't say too much more about that. Just, you know, it's got great, it, it's it's Hitchcock in the 30s. So it's like this wonderful kind of like noir photography, expressionistic mm. shadows. Um, obviously, the blocking is very traditional. You know, people stand up like, and, and you know, stand up against fireplace and like, <laughs> I say, man, and, and, and then you know, kind of talk off into the distance rather yeah. than the person next to them. Yeah. Um, and you know, there, well, there's a scene where Robert Denart and Madeline Carroll are handcuffed together, and she has to take her stockings off, and so his hand is like rubbing against her leg as she's taking the stocking oh, off. Oh, scandalous! Very, like, oh, mother, may I? <laughs> kind of yeah. moment. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really good fun. Uh, well worth checking out. Um, but yeah, let's go. Let's go back to you then, Anthony, for for your last one. My final film. Okay, you know. <sighs> Funnily enough, it's actually set very similar similar time frame to okay. to what you've been just talking about, um, but it's also made almost ninety years after. Um, it is, of course, everyone's favorite series of all time, Fantastic Beasts: Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay, that's the. Is Eddie Redmayne in that one, or is that the, yeah, is he in the first one? He's in, he's in both. So it's like, um, oh, okay. I think they've announced there's going to be five of these. Of course, Johnny Depp's just been dropped because. Uh, yeah, who who's replacing him? I didn't see. I don't, I, I, has it been announced yet? I'm not sure. Oh, while okay. I do maybe my little, not, maybe, well, maybe look that up while I'm doing my little spiel about Let's the film. About. So yeah. basic, basically, um, we all know this has been uh, basically set on, set in, set in the Harry Potter universe. Um, you know, my my childhood is a, is slave is a slave to Harry Potter. I will just say, um, I. 
and 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 de- and devoiding myself of, of of this even watching this once would would be closing off the the, the happiest part of my childhood um having said that it wasn't good let's be honest uh yeah this this series um is quickly devolving and and really exposing jk rowling as just not good i've well, always did she, did she write this then i thought yeah. this was completely separate from her writing no 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 she she writes them uh and then they okay. also re- they release the script in novel form right okay so it's it, it is all as it is with jk Rowling. it's all about making money like that's like she she hit upon a like like an interesting idea that was basically trope upon trope from a load of other fantasies in harry potter um I've always, I've always said, even though, even though I loved it as a kid, and even though I could watch the films now and read the books now and still enjoy it because it is nostalgic for me, I will always say it's soft fantasy. the The world that she has built does not hold up to scrutiny whatsoever, and yeah. that is never more evident than in the Crimes of Grindelwald, because every time they have an opportunity to add in an extra element, to add in something new to this world. They either don't do it and just reference something that's already from the books or the films, other ones, other films, yeah. or they it's it's so lazily done that that it just exposes her for not knowing what she's doing. So yeah. let me give you a few examples. In this film, they in the same ten or fifteen minutes have references to the Philosopher's Stone. Nicholas Flamel is in the film. They have Dumbledore as a young man who's played by Jude Law. Mm. Um, they have uh, the Lestrange family tree. Okay, yep. And many more things. They have so, like, they just keep saying, hey, remember this? You liked Harry Potter. So if I show you stuff from Harry Potter, you're going to like this. So that's yeah. that's what it felt like. Uh, and to be honest with you, this, like, for example, it's, it's sort of, they go across, basically it's set up in that Newt Scamander, who played by Eddie Redmayne from the first film, he collects animals and like they sort of have gone away a little bit from the fact that it's about him looking for different animals. And the whole point of the first one was that he was meant to be like Lutz commander wrote a book, fantastic beasts and where to find them. And that's like one of the books they use in school, um, uh, in the school of, of Hogwarts. And he's like a big sort of author. And the whole point of these films was meant to be, he's writing these books. Well, in the second film, <laughs> it's hilarious. Like in where in other films, they would just have like a cop come in or like a, a wizard come in, I suppose, and like say, "Hey, get away from that!" You know. Yeah. In this film, they've got a wizard walk in, but they're surrounded by three or four, you know, fantasy dogs because you know you've got to have creatures in it yeah. because it's all about him discovering animals. And it's just like, "Hey, you need another animal? There's another one." It's like there wasn't this many animals in the Harry Potter films. <laughs> Where have they all fucking come from? <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, so anyway, an example of where where it just. It just shows me, to be honest with you, that J.K. Rowling is not a good world builder. She had the opportunity to to actually create a more compelling world because they were going in the first one. They went to New York, and in the second one, now they've gone to um, second one. They've they've gone to Paris, and in New York, like so, the Ministry of Magic is in London, right? And that's like the, yeah. the UK, the British Ministry of Magic. Now, when they went to New York. They didn't call it like the Department of Magic, you know. They, they, they <laughs> you know, the they, Federal Department of Magicians and Witches. Yeah, no, they didn't. They call it uh, Ministry of Magic USA. Uh, so it comes up at the bottom saying like America or USA or New York or whatever Ministry of Magic. 
Um, when they were going to Paris, they didn't call it uh, Le, Le Department Magique or <laughs> Le Ministry <laughs> Magique sure. or whatever, right? Yeah. They called it Ministry of Magic Paris, <laughs> right? Oh, okay. I'm yeah. just like, you don't know what you're doing, J.K. Rowling. Like, what what are you doing? Like, you know, oh, I could go on about yeah. this all day long. I, I, I mean, this is this is a writer who called uh, an East Asian character Cho Chan. So it's like yeah. kind of like she has... She she is a is a writer who will only ever do the most cursory of research into how to represent another culture before she's just like yeah that'll do no like that passes the squint test yeah and I'd like to be completely honest with you she kind of falls into the Star Wars problem of yeah, that sounds of, like what you're describing yeah and, and like referencing it's yeah it's a Star Wars problem of needing every character to be in, to be related in some way to famous characters from the past yeah. And like constantly like leveraging nostalgia to to replace actual good filmmaking or good storytelling, I guess. Exactly. That's that's the way it was, to be quite honest with you. I yeah. wasn't impressed with this film. Uh Ema and I were watching it and like literally there was a point where I clicked to see how much film was gone. An hour and twenty minutes had gone, and I said to her, I could probably cut this film together and it would be 10 minutes long and it would cover all the main points so far. <laughs> like, like literally she doesn't know what she, like she's writing the screenplays. They're so, it's so boring. It's nothing happens. I don't, I, I don't know how well these movies are doing to be honest, because they always seem to be poorly received critically yet. They're, they're making more of them. I mean, I, to go back to what we we're talking about when you first started talking about this, Mads Mikkelsen is replacing Johnny Depp as Grin, Grindelwald, which okay. is a pretty cool. I like Mads, I like Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen a lot. Yeah um but uh, you know so they're definitely making the third one despite the first and second being very poorly received from everything i've seen about them yeah well poorly received and i can i can see why um i was in i was in i was in school today and i told uh one of my pupils who i know is like sort of a, a bit of a nerdy harry potter fan like i would be and i and i said and i said to him um i watched uh fantastic beasts the crimes of grindelwald yesterday and he said that's a crap movie. Like <laughs> literally, like those, if you, if you lost them, yeah. Like yeah, if you if you're not getting those guys on board, then you're yeah. struggling. It's uh no no it's 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 not good. Um, I think Jude Law is a good casting for a young Dumbledore, like a good young young Michael Gambon. I think that's probably pretty good. Um, yeah. I Mark Mark is a film a film uh critic that I really admire, and uh, he said that. He hated this film, and then the last ten minutes made him kind of want to see the next one. Oh, okay. Is it? Is that? Would you agree with that? No. I. I <laughs> <laughs> the last, to be honest with you, the last ten minutes compounded all the problems I had with it. You know, that like the right. last reveal at the very end is. I was like, that's the big reveal. More of the same shit. Okay, I'm out. So you're, uh, do you think you're going to watch the third one? Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. They got you. They got you right where they I'll, want you. I would. I would have watched the third one no matter what because, to be honest yeah. with you, this is going to sound really silly, okay? Because I've just basically shit on this film for ten minutes. But the reason why I'm going to watch the next one is the same reason I keep watching the Pirates of the Caribbean films. If you, if I like the aesthetic of your world. I'll spend an hour at it. In it, like I'll spend. Yeah. I'll spend yeah. an hour and a half in it. An hour and a half of my time. Every two years, I'll give it to you if I if I like what I'm looking at. Um, yeah, I mean the production design of these yeah. seems good, at least. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I feel about it. Um, I know you haven't seen it. You've only recently watched the Harry Potter films, so yeah, I literally only just finished watching them for the first time. So uh, if 
if current um if my current rate of progress through the harry potter universe is to be uh extrapolated for this i'll probably get around to these movies when i'm in my 50s yeah. uh <laughs> which, just to put know... it in perspective as well fantastic beasts on imdb has 6.6 out of 10 the cir- okay. the circle which i also didn't really like has 5.3 the circle is a million times better than fantastic beasts oh okay well, I mean, that's probably that uh, our previously stated issues with the IMDb rating system and and user ratings in general. Yeah, I, pro- I probably should be looking at the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but still. Yeah, I did use Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah, I mean, yeah. but I mean, still, you know, it's it's interesting to get a sense of how people feel about it, and I guess maybe the the like you've said, the production design and the 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 way they realise that world is enough for some people, even if it sounds like narratively there isn't really that much going on. Listen, when the next one comes out. Like I know he's probably still not old enough to watch it, but my 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 first son is probably going to be four or five, getting into the age where we might want to start reading him the Harry Potter books. You know whether yeah. or, whether or not we will do that at this stage based on recent uh, you know things coming out. I'm not sure we will. I probably still will, to be honest with you. Um, you know, my wife hasn't bought anything from Nestle for three years. Come on, we do boycott some things, but uh, <laughs> but ba- basically, uh, I think. I'll probably get around to watching the rest of the series whenever my kids are into Harry Potter. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If they enjoy it, then I guess there's there's something's positive to be gained from the I mean, creation. Of and, then, and then, like when he when when, the, when he turns ten or eleven, and I tell him Santa's not real, I'll then say, "Oh yeah, by the way, Crimes of Grindelwald is crap." Yeah, those <laughs> movies you love are terrible. Yeah. Get some taste. Yeah, junior. that's the se- that's the second revelation today, son. No Santa <laughs> yeah. Claus, and that's a crap film. Yeah, you need to work on your taste. We're going to sit down and watch Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. um, All right, well, there you go. Be... What are your last ones? How many you got left? Okay, so I've got three left. I'm going to go through these relatively quickly because we're, we're at an hour 10 now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one, did you ever see a movie on... It, it was on Netflix, uh, again, called Force Majeure. It's a Swedish movie. Um, no. I have heard okay. of it, actually. I've heard of Force... Like, he's ringing a bell. I have no idea where yeah. I've heard of it. So it was a 2014 pitch black comedy, basically about a family of uh, skiers or snowboarders. I can't remember in the Swedish version which one they are, but they go to a ski resort. Uh, they're having breakfast one day. There's an avalanche um, come barreling towards them, and in the split second, oh, where they this think is remade die. with uh, Julia Louis yeah. Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. So, so the original Force Majeure. It, like, just, uh, just to finish what I was saying there. Basically, the dad Sorry. runs away at the last minute. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> let me finish my story um the uh the dad runs away at the last minute and it becomes this really interesting analysis of masculinity what it means to be a father a husband the the kind of interesting dynamics of a marriage that maybe has some problems in it and it's all very very straight laced but it's very funny uh, and very subtle uh in the in that kind of way that a lot of scandinavian films can be i watched 2020's downhill uh which is a remake of that starring will farrell and oh Jude. you didn't watch Jude. force majeure no, I've seen it already. I watched that back in 2014. Oh, I was gonna, um, I was gonna go in the whole way into uh, the fella from uh, what do you call him, uh, Christopher Hivju. I was gonna go into. Him. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Christopher, we'll get to him in a second. Okay, so, okay, like, okay. Well, so this is a, like I watched 2020's Downhill. It's a remake with starring Will Ferrell and Julia Louise Dreyfus. Basically the same premise, but if you imagine all of that really clever, really funny, like darkly funny writing. Get rid of all of that shit and just replace it with schmaltzy sentimentality, on the nose bullshit. None of the none of the cool character work. The best characters in this are Miranda Otto, who links back to um, 
links back to Lord of the Rings. She played uh, Eowyn, and she's also one of the aunts in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She plays like this kind of stereotypically like sexually open European. I see where this is going. She's she she's she's very funny in that. And Christopher Hivju has the best scene in the entire movie where he he gets a cameo as a um, security guard, not security guard. I don't know what they'd be called really, like a safety person who and they report Shepa. the avalanche to him. <laughs> Sherpa, sure. I don't know. <laughs> um and uh yeah, he, he he gets the best scene in the movie exactly because he gets to do the very dry humor that made the original so good. But oh, this cool. is one of the this is one of those remakes it's just like why the fuck did you make this? Like it just completely misses the point of the original. Nat Faxon and Jim Rash directed it. I don't think they even watched the original based on what they got what they did here. It's just a pointless remake. Go and watch Force Majeure instead. It's a far better film. Well, to be honest with you, I'm really sad to hear that because I I would have put up with the aging Will Ferrell to to see a Julie Louis Dreyfus film, but uh... she, she does good work. I will say Julie Louis Dreyfus is fucking clinging on by her like she's white knuckling this to try and make it a good film, but she can't do it alone. Like Will Ferrell is just like what what is your what is your character here, Will Ferrell? And and it's just yeah. It's, it's like she she gets the best lines of those two but it's not enough yeah and i, I love the fact that we've talked about uh, miranda otto and carl urban and and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> miranda otto and christopher hivju is our second game of thrones lord of the rings pairing oh this thing writes itself <laughs> no, that's, get- what, that's what i'm saying <laughs> i see where this is going <laughs> <laughs> get them in the themed episode I, is she, I actually don't know where miranda otto is from i didn't look her up but is, is she from new zealand or australia as well uh, I'm he might I, be English. Brisbane, Australia. That's Australian. probably why I thought Carl Urban was Australian because his sister in it is Australian. That's yeah. probably that's probably why. Yeah, like, my twelve-year-old brain being like Australians in the films. You know, listen, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you, that, that, it's good to get some representation that's not Crocodile Dundee. Um, in- <laughs> <laughs> don't you don't you curse Paul Hogan's name? <laughs> that man built the Sydney Harbour Bridge <laughs> by himself. He put the country on his back. <laughs> yeah, Paul Hogan <laughs> hold this country out of a recession in the 80s with those movies uh, no I like Crocodile Dundee it's a good movie but uh, um, he actually did work as a as a builder like on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and uh, oh, really? yeah he actually did and like and that's like so, so people will see the Sydney Harbour Bridge like you'll literally people will go to Sydney Harbour Bridge and the thing people will say about it you know Crocodile Dundee built that bridge you know just, <laughs> yeah on his own yeah he was just a worker you know yeah just a laborer um but yeah so uh 2020 is downhill don't watch it go and watch force majeure instead it's a way better film um so two more this one this this is me getting one off of my bucket list and i deserve some some kudos for doing this i watched nine movies this week and this one's almost four hours long that is 1962's i've never seen it before 1962's lawrence of arabia uh directed by david lean I, I've never watched it. I, I have, sat down. I've never strapped in for this. Like I'm going to be it, honest. I, 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 I literally I watched downhill. We had a we had a sick cat, um, and I I woke up early on Saturday morning. I think it was, and I watched downhill, and I was like, that was a piece of shit. And my partner still wasn't <laughs> awake, so I was I was looking through Sky to see what was on. I was like. I could watch Lawrence of Arabia right now <laughs> and just commit to watching like six hours of films on a Saturday, and I end up doing it. Um, it is. It's it's David Lean, so I mean it's it, he, he um it, his work with Freddie Young, who's the cinematographer on this, and Doctor Zhivago is breathtaking. Uh, visually, it's stunning. I think I prefer Doctor Zhivago because I think the themes are a bit 
have aged better and it ha- dr Chivago doesn't really have some of the problematic orientalism that this has which is not to say my, my opinion of, of movies that have aged poorly in this respect so for those who don't know uh, alec guinness and a few other characters wear blackface or brownface mm-hmm. uh, to play middle eastern characters and obviously the whole thing is kind of like orientalism the movie is you yeah, know yeah. Like the, the mysterious middle eastern bedouin um my opinion of that kind of depiction is that every piece of art i don't know how you feel about this Anthony. Probably, hopefully we'll get your opinion on it in a second but mm-hmm. every piece of art needs to have its problems weighed against its contribution so it's not like oh this has a problematic depiction of something we're just never going to watch this movie again it, you have to weigh them against each other and, and there will come a point where the problems in something outweigh the value it has to society and you'll start maybe fading it into the background which is why you know we don't talk about dw griffith anymore because although he was a revolutionary filmmaker he also made birth of a nation and fuck birth of a nation quite frankly um i don't i think you you and i probably have like quite similar opinions on this yeah exactly and i i to be honest with you i I, like this is the thing is that um the, the 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 form of thought that both comrade and i have on it, I think that if people were to sort of just take us at our, at our face opinions on nearly everything in the world, they would assume we are the people who would want to ban to ban stuff like this. Um, if they were ta- if they, they were to take sort of my own personal leanings, you know, in terms of the world. Having said that, I I think that it's overblown that people who do want censorship in this way, I don't think I don't I think the people who would want this to be banned and t- taken away and never seen again is a very minor- minority of people on Twitter, right? Yeah, but, I think yeah, social media kind of skews the perception of yeah, that a little so bit, I think. I th- I, education is important. And I, what I mean by education in this regard is we, we need to be able to realize why this is wrong. The thing is, mm-hmm. if, 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 if all uh, blackface, brownface was just taken off the earth, then how do we know that's not going to come back in 50 years? Um, yeah. because of someone's new idea you know it, obviously there's real historical problems with it um which is so interesting because disney plus has started putting warnings at the start of some of the cartoons yeah um and yeah. i think something like that would be fitting uh for, for this sort of uh historical piece of film uh there's there's there's, there's certain things like there's there's a line there's a line yeah. um i think i think that uh, and to be honest with you we need to cross the line to know where it is yeah, I, and I think I agree. I, I think with something like this, I, I don't, I'm not advocating for you know cancelling Lawrence of Arabia. As I say, it's still a beautiful movie to look at. The performances of Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole and Anthony Quinn and Claude Rains and Jack Hawkins. Mm-hmm. It's got this this amazing cast of, of actors, and they're they're, they're all very good. Um, and it's yeah, it's breathtaking to look at. The Marie Shah score is brilliant. So there's loads about this film. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and I did love watching it. I think it's just important to be able to couch and enjoyment of a movie and say it's still a great movie there are some bits of it that haven't aged that well and to be honest i think those kind of warnings are really important so i mean one of my favorite movies is aliens and i didn't realize until probably t- two years ago or one year ago that jeanette goldstein the the, the actress who plays uh Vasquez, wore brown face for that to play a hispanic character i had no idea and i'm someone who's that's one of my favorite movies i've probably Literal seen it. brown face yeah, like they 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 sort of they tan, actually they actually did up. tan them up. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So she and that you know that's a movie from 1984, I think. And you know she she was the mum in Terminator 2, so you can see what she looks like normally. You know she's kind of freckly, red haired white woman. Um, and that's a movie I love, and I'm someone who is very into cinema, and I didn't I wasn't aware of it. So I think having these kind of discussions is important. I know they can get maybe a bit 
tiresome when you feel like everything on social media is about these but they are important to have still lawrence of arabia is a great movie mm. I, I i can't uh speak highly enough about it but just be aware that it does have some of that in it and if you want to see a david lean movie that doesn't have as much of that or really any of that i think dr Zhivago is probably slightly better and also dr Zhivago has a woman in it which is nice because uh <laughs> lawrence of arabia doesn't there are Shit. no women in this film um but yeah really? so that's that yeah not a single one there's a there's a quote from omar sharif where he's basically talking about you you, you take this idea to the money man that you want to make a four-hour movie with no stars in the middle of the desert and no love story and try and sell that to people and they managed to do it it is spectacular um but um so for my last movie we're gonna, we're gonna go to the opposite side of mm-hmm. of um the woke spectrum um with uh, 2015's carol did, did you ever see this movie nope so it's directed by Todd Haynes. It's basically about this uh, gay romance between two women in 1950s New York. Um, one of them is played by Rooney Mara. He's like a shop assistant, kind of not, not very well off. The other played brilliantly by Kate Blanchett. Australian. Who is... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Oh, we're absolutely nailing this. I mean, Rooney, Wa- Rooney Mara wasn't in Game of Thrones, but there might be, like, we've got Kate Blanchett in this. So let's find a Game of Thrones actor in, in Carol. I'll, I'll get on it. Um, I mean, Carl, Chan- <laughs> Carl Chandler is in this. Uh, he plays a, a, the brilliantly named Harge Ard, which is not <laughs> a real name as far as I'm concerned. But uh, but basically, yeah, Kate Blanchett plays this very well-to-do middle-upper-class woman who is... Con- she isn't really concealing her sexuality from her husband. She's sort of semi-separated from him, but she's bound to him by the social norms of the time. So, you know, he'll he'll threaten her with, uh, with uh, legal action that will take her children away if she won't stay with him. And it's basically this love story between Rooney Myra's character and Kate Blanchett's character. Um, and it's, it's beautifully shot, talking about good production design. The production design in this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances are amazing. And it's got this uh, really kind of lovely, it's like this hopeful, but still somewhat melancholy score by uh, this guy called Carter Burwell that is really, really beautiful. Um, so yeah, this, this is a lovely, a lovely romance, lovely love story. That's great. I, I'm reading the... Um the sort of tagline for it or the tagline i'm reading the log line for it an aspiring okay. photographer develops an intimate relationship with an older woman in 1950s new york i love it when films log lines is just about a relationship relationship between t- two characters it's like yeah oh, we're gonna get a bit of a character study here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like, hold on to your blouse <laughs> yeah. uh, this one's gonna get spicy and it does uh but it, and it yeah it's 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 beautiful it's not it could be saccharin or a bit on the nose, but the performances are so good, particularly Kay Blanchett. She's fantastic in this. Um, that it, it, it never stops feeling very real. Yeah, and uh, I, I will just say as well, Todd Haynes has is the director of a film that I have always I've had on my bucket list that I've never, I don't know why, I've just never been in the mood to watch it, and it's I'm yeah. Not There. You know, uh, the... the... Oh, is that the, the Joaquin Phoenix one? No, no, you're... No. You always think it's whacking Felix because he because he did uh, the Johnny Cash uh, walk the line. It's uh, it's 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 about like it's basically six people six people play different aspects of Bob Dylan's. Oh, it's the Bob Dylan one. Yeah. yeah, okay. I never yeah I've never seen that either. Actually, that always seemed really interesting. Yeah, so that's that's one that I've always intended to watch, but just haven't yet. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with uh, with most of Todd Haynes' work. I think I think I've maybe seen one or two of his films before but i couldn't tell you what they were off the top of my head mm-hmm. but if this is anything to go by it's uh well worth checking out i think this is on amazon prime as well so well worth seeing if you have access to it 
Right, okay. Look, I, I think very quickly, we're just going to go through um, a couple of movies that we're maybe keeping an eye on this week. Anything yeah, else? so you might notice that I didn't watch any of the ones that I was keeping an eye on. Oh, no. I mean, guys, this isn't a contract we're signing here, all right? <laughs> I, I watched Tenet, all right? At the goodness of my heart, I said I was going to watch Tenet, and I did. I didn't watch any of the others because one of them's a Danish movie that's not able, I'm not able to watch legally in the UK, and I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, yeah, well, I will just say, <coughs> excuse me. I, I, I'm sorry if everyone's screaming at the screen right now. I wanted, <coughs> I wanted you to watch Benjamin Button. I'll, I'm going to have Benjamin Button as my first one this week. I'm still going to, I'm still going to try and watch it. Okay, so that's my first one. There was a good discussion about David Fincher actually, and I didn't realize that was a David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. And um, one of our commenters um, helpfully pointed out that that is, in fact, what it is, which must be a lot more likely to watch it. Yeah, who pointed that out? Actually, was it Ted Victisco? No, it was uh, I, I, Brandon, the, maybe. The, yeah, I think it was. Maybe Brandon. I think it was Brandon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Um, I, I, I'm very interested in watching it again. I, again, I haven't seen it since the cinema. That's my first one. Okay. Nice. Uh, you want my second? Yeah. Just go. Give me. Get, hit me with all of them. If okay. Okay. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Avatar, because we just mentioned that. Now I really want to watch it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Watch it in 3D. Yeah. I'm gonna make Zahalu with Avatar so hard. Right. Um. <laughs> so I'm gonna watch Avatar. Um, I, yeah, I don't really have another one to be honest with you. If I think of another fine. one while you're talking, I'll, I'll say another one. But that's okay, no, that's 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 absolutely fine. Um, I've got three. I can't actually promise. There's one of these I'm definitely going to watch because I'm interested. Um, but uh, the three I'm going to try and watch is Wonder Woman '84 because a lot of people are talking about it. it doesn't sound very good, but I feel like I should mm-hmm. probably see it. Okay. Uh, New Mutants. Uh, you probably can't see behind me, but I have a lot of X-Men comics behind me. I'm a massive X-Men fan. I have X-Men tattoos. Uh, so is I that on like anything? Have... What's that on? The new uh, I don't know what the new mutants is. Like. Yeah. It released in in cinemas and then it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. So I need to find somewhere to get that. I presume it's probably available for rent. Um, okay. But yes, yeah, so I'm going to check out new mutants. And the last one is uh, Lars von Trier's Dogville, um, which I only mentioned because the cinematographer who worked on Dread also worked on Dogville, and it's basically. Um, uh, Lars von Trier's like Dogme 95 movement taken to what sounds like it's logical extreme where there's no set. It's just mm-hmm. an open sound stage with the set marked out in chalk on the floor. Um, I've which heard of this, that, yes. Yeah, because Dogme 95 is basically everything that you shoot should be available in the scene and it should be, there's no technical. Is uh, Nicole Kidman in that? Yes, yeah, Nicole yeah, Kidman's yeah. the star. Um, so, it, and, and this is like the extreme version of that, where it's like we're, get, we're not only we're we not going to have any special effects or any ADR or sound outside of the recording, we're also just not going to have a set at all. We're just going to have the actors on a soundstage. So, I'm going to check that out. I think Lars von Trier is really interesting. Like, uh, just like I don't want to elaborate here, but there's an interesting thing of like I think it was maybe Uma Thurman, possibly, and they were going to film her. They were gonna, they were gonna film her uh, watching a film. No, 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 sorry. They were gonna film her going into. They had to film her walking. The scene was like twenty seconds. Walk into the uh, into the into the kitchen, light a cigarette, and like just do a little twenty second scene of whatever. Right. That was the thing. They set the cameras up in the kitchen. Right. They uh, they wanted he Lars von Trier wanted a particular mood. Right. So they 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 had they. I think it might it might not have been Uma but I think it was. They, they they set it up and they and what they what he did was he said right you watch this film, everyone had to sit on the set while she watched the film, got into a particular mindset through watching the film, then yeah. when she finished the film in her own time, walked in to the kitchen, uh, and then the cameras were rolling and they shot the scene. Mm. 
Yeah, that sounds like Lars von Trier. I mean, I'm not, I, I've not really seen that much Lars von Trier stuff, to be honest, but I'm aware of his way of working. Um, and he is like one of the most auteurish auteurs working today. And Not necessarily yeah. in a good way, but... Just saying that made me think of my third one, which I'll try and watch. I saw in the Go cinema on. and I absolutely loved it. And it's Shia LaBeouf's Redemption. Uh, LaBeouf, LaBeouf, or whatever you call him. Uh, yeah. It's his redemption. It's Honey Boy, which is sort of a... It's a, it's, ah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a bio. Have you seen it? No, it's, it's on my Amazon list. Like It's the one where he like plays his own dad. He plays his own dad. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a biopic. Yeah. And um and the reason why that put in my mind to watch that, because I love that film. He wrote the script and all. The script of that film was actually written based on essays that he wrote while he was being treated for PTSD in a mental institution. Right? Um, yeah, I've heard really good Exposure things. Exposure therapy. Movie. He had to write all, everything that happened to him as a child out. And then he, he based the film on these essays that he wrote to get through it. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's just so I find him such an interesting character. Um, obviously, he's had his issues with uh, certain uh, racism and things in the past when he was severely in the worst moment of his life. You know, uh, again, it's it, I, I think that he's he's worth a bit of redemption. He did it. He does. He's got PTSD. It's a great film. But the reason I mention that is because the reason why I real I realize that I want to watch it again is because he in that film tried to bring in aspects of Lars von Trier's style. So the reason why okay. I even know that story about the TV and then the, the kitchen is because they were sort of doing similar things in that film. And like he would go and smoke a cigarette and then come in to start the scene. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've had that one on my radar for a while. I haven't got around to it. But yeah, you have to let me know what you think of it. Yeah. because Oh, no, I, I've, seen, I've seen it. I've seen it. But oh, I you have already I, seen I, I wanna oh, okay. it? I want to watch it again. It is absolutely well, fantastic. Yeah, well, if you do rewatch it, we'll talk about it here on our next one of these, which cool. is going to be in two weeks' time, folks. Because remember, next week... We are going to be doing our themed episode. It's going to be presidents in movies. Yeah. Hopefully, it's going to be a lighthearted thing, as we've said before. Um, but yeah, so so <laughs> if it's not, it's fine. You know, we'll give you a brief yeah. escape from the nightmare that the world has become. You will have to hear us doing so, probably a lot of JFK impressions. Like you're gonna, yeah. you, there's going to be some crazy impressions going on. Like, oh, oh, do my Richard Nixon. I can't do it too hard because my headphones will come off to do my Richard Nixon impersonation, um, which is basically just Richard Nixon from Futurama. Um, but yeah, okay. So I, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us uh, this week, folks, which leaves us really with just one simple question to answer. And that is, Anthony, what is your favorite movie? Avatar. Great, great choice. Um, my favorite movie is uh, in honor of MF Doom, who unfortunately we found out uh, passed away a couple of months ago, The Fantastic Four, uh, but not the Miles Teller one because that's shit. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. Uh, you can find links to their stuff down in the description below, down there. Um, and yeah, thank you for watching. Share the show with your friends, like, subscribe, do all that business, and check us out next week for our themed episode on Movie Presidents. Until then, and cut.